0: All right, we are back. Uh, So today we are going to dive into Miles Davis's catalog as released on Mobile Fidelity. Um, So there are, in our research, we uh, counted 18 titles that we're going to get into. Before we do that, remember to like and subscribe. Leave comments. Let us know what you think about Miles Davis's uh, reissues on MoFi, um, which ones you have, which ones you recommend, or if you don't recommend them. Um, So with that, I think we're going to get into it. And before we jump into the titles themselves, uh, I think we're going to speak about uh, Miles on MoFi in general. Uh, Chris, do you want to start us off?
1: Yeah, so I mean, you know, it's interesting. There's a couple interesting things about it. The first I think is that, you know, part of MoFi Gate, which we didn't make a bunch of videos about, right? Um, we found out that lots of the titles Mofi has done are digital and all the miles ones are. They're all DST, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they all I mean all the ones I have at least sound completely amazing. People like Joe Harley say they sound better than their originals that he has in his collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. kind of the first and to me. And the second point, we can go back to that. the same point is these things are available now. I mean, not maybe not all right now, but they've mm-hmm. been re releasing them consistently over the last few yeah. months. they are sticking around. It's not like they're gone in five seconds like they used to be. No, I don't know if that's um, a result of the market softening a little bit or the MoFi gate turning people off to them, buying the titles or pressing capacity opening up. I don't know. But I think yeah. those kind of two points are
2: interesting. Yeah, a very good point, Chris. I think it's like a conjunction, a combination of everything. First, uh, the FOMO is kind of decreasing, going down. Um, yeah, there's repressing. The more they repress, I mean, more people already have it, so new people are buying, and maybe not at that such speed, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing I find interesting about those stars is that even before the whole MoFi gate, or whatever you want to call they're already unanimously uh loved by people right they sound amazing they're great they're great that's why they uh after market pricing was was so high and then after everything was revealed people still praise them and uh, i think that means something first the work was really good second the music's outstanding it speaks for itself and third uh Guys, if digital is well done, who cares? (laughs) I think that's one of the very important points to be remembered there as well.
0: All right, so what we'll do is, because there's 18 of them, and we are going to touch on each of those, uh, we'll set it up with when it was recorded, when it was released, the lineup, and then we'll go through when MoFi reissued it. And Mm -hmm. based on our research, the earliest uh, LP reissue that we could find. Um, So we'll just jump into it now. So the Mm -hmm. first, In chronological order of Columbia release day is uh, round about midnight. So this is miles coming from uh, prestige and he's with his old or his first quintet crew um, on Columbia. So this was recorded in 1955 and 1966, Mm -hmm. a few different session dates. And it was released on March 4, 1957. Mm -hmm. And as mentioned, this is Old Crew, which includes Miles Davis, John Coltrane, Red Garland, Paul Chambers, and Philly Joe Jones. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this was released on Mobile Fidelity. The earliest LP, or Double 45, whichever it was, is uh, 2013.
1: And you have that one, Felipe?
2: Yes, it's right here, Chris. Round about midnight. I do not have the speaker's corner. That's my only version. And uh, it's one of the best mono records I have. Not only mm-hmm. more fidelity in general. It sounds very sweet, warm, um, very defined. All the horns are very clear. The bass is very filling right and and us remember those uh, first records on Columbia that we're going to talk about Miles was still under contract with Prestige but when he was approached he got a really have to deal uh, with Columbia and i mean it was the biggest studio the best uh so he was already recording with Columbia but still had it was on contract with Prestige so that's the recordings here they they were way earlier uh, than the actual release of them
0: yeah i was surprised to see the recording sessions were from 1955 and 1956 because i think he was still doing Exactly, I
2: mean, so, so when, yeah prestige. when he was kind of pressed to do por and bass and um, uh, kind of blew, he had to you know what let's just speed it up let's record, let's cut those four records that he got that we know so well yeah uh, and then after he he signed a contract the prestige was done, then he, he those records were actually released,
1: so is that a thirty three the 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 moFi release of that one? yes
2: okay. it's a thirty three single record.
1: Now I have the speaker's corner and it's okay.
0: Um
1: I mean, yeah, I have the speaker's corner. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, this one, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's another pressing yeah. that's available, but I would, yeah. I, I want to replace this obviously with the MoFi whenever it gets re-repressed.
2: I, I think, yeah, the MoFi is of the best of the batch there for, sure. for now, sure. This
1: one is analog, but it's probably you know a tape copy mm-hmm. that they had or whatever. Yeah, which
2: know. know which tape it is. Yeah, which yeah.
1: But yeah, I mean, I love Roundabout Midnight. It's one of my favorite Miles records. I didn't realize it was that. Early. It was recorded so early, but that yeah, makes sense. Um, so this is actually the first Great Quintet, then still, right? This is mm-hmm, first Great yeah.
0: Quintet, and they're doing standards, mostly jazz standards. So obviously, Round Midnight is a Monk song. They do some yeah. Charlie Parker, Cole Porter, Ted Dameron, Stan Getz. Um, so yeah. no, no original um, compositions here. And that's recorded
1: Eighth to- Street as well.
0: That's a good question. This yeah. is recorded Columbia 30th street.
2: And again, this, this recordings are from the, his uh, earlier collaborators. He was a big fan of Charlie Parker, you know? Yeah. So that, that makes sense that yeah. he, he chose. And let's remember 55 was the year. Uh, Miles was like re- reinventing himself. He was out of drug addiction, the heavy addiction that he went to in the late 40s to like 53, 54. So he was really uh, on a different path at this point.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, before we move on, since this is, I think, maybe his first release on Columbia. All right. So let's move on to our next release. This is going to be Milestones. So this, again, is going to feature most first quintet and then with the addition of Cannibal Adderley. This is recorded in February and March 1958 and then Mm -hmm. released that September and I'm just double yeah. checking the lineup, and yes, that is the case. So it's it's mm-hmm. a sextet with Cannonball and the the first quintet.
1: Yes, yeah, so. I, mean, I I love this one. Um, Miles, this t- the title track's awesome. It's yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah.
1: And then the, the the version of Straight No Chaser on this is really good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed it. But um, yeah, I mean, this one sounds amazing. It's another 33.
2: Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the title track Milestones was his actual first modal composition considered to be.
1: Oh, that's cool. No way. So this was in 50. This, came, this was recorded in 58 and released in 58. So this was recorded early 58 and then released
0: in yes. September.
1: Interesting. So, I mean, yeah. this must have been after he had gotten done with Prestige, then. It had to have been. I mean, if it was released that fast. You
0: yes. know what I mean? Yes. Um, and chronologically, in terms of release date, um, let me double check the recording. The title before this is the uh, his 10-inch that he recorded in Paris. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's the um, Lift to the Scaffold, I think it is?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, he record- so that came, and then he released Milestones,
2: which is kind mm-hmm. of cool. Yeah, soon after, he, he came back, for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: So Felipe, do you have this one?
2: Yeah, it's right here uh it sounds good it's a a really historical piece but out of the whole batch it's not the best sounding one in my opinion
0: so i have a first canadian pressing which Mm -hmm. the stampers are identical to the us pressing um and i thought that that actually sounded better than the mofi Nice.
2: Uh,
0: yeah so um yeah i think that one that one wins out uh yeah so you have this one too, Mike? You have milestones? I have milestones and then, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so the next one here is Porgy and Bess. So this is going to be the first one that MoFi put out chronologically uh, mm-hmm. that is his collaboration with Gil Evans. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So now this is kind of a whole different type of recording session uh, mm-hmm. recorded in... Uh, July and August, over four different sessions in 1958, released in mm-hmm. March, 1959. Yeah. Okay. And the uh, the musicians are, there's a lot. So you have Miles Davis, Ernie Royal, Bernie Glow, Johnny Coles, and Louis Mercy on trumpet. We have a, a uh, four-member trombone sec- sec- uh, section, Julius Watkins, on French Horn, Bill Barber, Tuba. We have a lot of people. There's there's Flautist, Yeah. there's Cannibal Adderley's on this, Paul Chambers, Philly Joe Jones, mm-hmm. Jimmy Cobb, and then Gil Evans is the arranger and conductor. And yeah. obviously they're doing uh, songs from Corgi and Bess.
2: Um, it sounds good. It's really good sounding. And it's, it's a milestone recording too. It's a, one of Miles, I think, mostly known uh, records. And one, one of the ones that probably attracted him to go back to Columbia, to go to Colombia, actually, he, he was a really, really good friend and a fan of Bill Evans. He really wanted to work, he liked working with Bill Evans, not only because of his talent, but uh, according to Miles, he felt like Bill Evans was like, not an american white, but being a Canadian, he would understand and treat him better, in a sense, you know how Miles was sensitive about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got along really well. they have a really like way of understanding each other and, and working along. I think so. Yeah. After birth of the cool, that was when they they uh, met him, met them again, okay. and then they work on sketches, and then they worked on, of course, quiet nights.
1: Right. Yeah. So Porgy and Bass, man, I think I like it better than sketches. Honestly, just musically, I, I think it's yes. my favorite. I think it's my favorite one that they did together of this of yes. this series. You know, the Columbia series. Um, mm-hmm. This one's a double forty-five which is interesting. It came out in 20 Mofi released it in 2020. So that's like Yeah. I think it looks like that's the last one that Mofi released. was oh, yeah. was Poor Game Best in 2020.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. So interesting. Is- I remember it came out it sold out so fast. Like Oh okay. yeah. Yeah, I couldn't, very- I couldn't get it. I like, I couldn't get it.
1: Oh no. Then they re-released it like 6 months ago, right?
2: Uh, yeah, it came back. Yeah. I remember trying to get it one. it it, it, it slipped. Uh, it slipped out of my cart. I was in the cart and I lost it. Well,
1: 2020. Well, I mean that's right in the pandemic. That would have been, yeah. yeah. Everything was selling out instantly.
2: Yep. Then you know, uh, yeah. it was right about. That. I think Miles Miles came about the same time, a couple yeah. weeks later, and that, that that I could catch.
0: Well, one. I'm just yeah. sorry. I'm looking at dates here. One thing that's kind of interesting is if you look at Gil Evans's um, uh, discography. What he was doing just months before recording this with Miles is he was recording with Cannonball Adderley, the new, uh, what is it? It's old bottle, new wine. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sorry. New bottle, old wine on Pacific jazz. So just a few months before he's recording with Cannonball, Cannonball comes to this session. He's on the session Mm -hmm. with Miles. And what's interesting is Cannonball is the lead on those Pacific jazz sessions with, with Gills. And now, miles is is the uh the the front man so
1: kind of interesting yeah. i think that record's good but i think Poor and best is way better
0: i yeah i agree with that yeah. i do li- i do like that that, app, do. that
1: new bottle of wine i do like
0: yeah, it. yeah i think it is like recorded interestingly like it, it, the, the it's like i don't know it sounds very good
2: so yeah. mm-hmm.
0: for sure yeah. okay moving on So, this now is what? The
2: the one that no one has. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, the one that no one has. Yeah. This is Kind of Blue? Yeah, Kind of Blue. So, August 1959, Miles and Columbia release Kind of Blue, which turns out to be uh, one of the best selling jazz recordings of all time. The Mm -hmm. uh, MoFi. Uh, treatment. Um, they gave it kind of a special package where it is a double forty-five, and it came in a box,
2: mm-hmm. uh, which is
0: different than the rest of the releases. Yes, I, I don't have this copy. Um, I think all of us have one version or another of the UHQR at this point. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the MoFi uh, preceded that, and a lot of people do have it. Um, so, mm-hmm. any any thoughts on this release?
2: Um. I mean, I can judge on quality, of course. Um, all I, it's just what I heard, so I don't know how precise it is. Some people don't like the mastering uh, on, on the record so It sounds. I heard people say it sounds too baseful Some people say it sounds too harsh on the top. I am not sure, so I am kind of skip. Uh, on that, I think for about the same price, you can get a, a really good uh, cut on the UHQR. I think the 45 is still available. Yeah. Or, or you know, get some early pressing. There's so many variations of this record.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would say that I've never heard of it either, but it's kind of universally panned compared mm-hmm. to like the UHQR or just like an OG. Yeah, yeah I've heard that as well. Um, yeah. And
0: just to uh, go over the personnel. We have uh Cannonball on alto, Coltrane on tenor, Bill Evans on piano, except for Freddie Freeloader, Wynton Kelly on Freddie Freeloader, Paul Chambers and Jimmy Cobb. Mm-hmm. And I, this is a record that's noted for, you know, being a a huge hit and in the uh modal
2: idiom. I think Wynton Kelly is also on All Blues, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Okay, all right. Yeah. But, I mean, it's my favorite Miles record still, though. Like, regardless mm-hmm. of MoFi or whatever else, I love Kind of Blue. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Can
0: we talk about how, so Bill Evans was playing with George Russell, who I think is one of the, or if, like, the innovator of modal jazz. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, and, and Bill brought that learning t- into this session. And mm-hmm. I don't think he's really uh, credited to any of the compositions, um there's kind of a famous story here, too,
2: yes, uh, yeah, the whole credit on on, on Bill, I think that really soured their their relationship.
0: This is blue uh, and green right, blue and green is the track
2: blue and green especially uh, and a lot of people really like James Brown recorded blue and Green, <laughs> you know, yeah, and uh yeah, it's one of the main tracks in the album, if not the best, mm-hmm. uh, maybe you know. And yeah, there's a, there's a there was a problem with credit there. So Miles brought Bill into the session because he he, he heard Bill playing. He said, "That's what I want." Uh, he heard his work with George Russell, uh, but at the end, yes, it, it didn't work very well. Um, you know, there are many versions to the story. But yeah, he didn't get credit for uh, uh, the the lines that he put there. Yeah, in, in the song for his uh, writing, basically. Exactly.
0: Yeah. All right. So uh, moving on. The next one, which was put out by MoFi in 2013, which is fairly early, you know, um, Mm -hmm. other than one release from the 80s, which we'll get to, this is part Mm -hmm. of kind of the first batch from the first year they were reissuing them on LP. So 2013, this is Sketches of Spain and the original session dates uh, were November and March. Looks like three or four session dates and then Mm -hmm. released I'm sorry, of 1960, and released July 1960. So in the summer of 1960, mm-hmm. you got Miles' Sketches of Spain. This is another Gil mm-hmm. Evans collaboration, registration um, yes. and um, arranging, mm-hmm. conducting,
2: et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he, he went uh, to see a, a movie with his wife. She And he really got into uh, one of the songs, which are uh, concerto, I don't uh, uh, Adam West, uh, uh, I forgot the name of the author here, but a Spanish musician, very, very famous uh, indeed. And there was also an issue with um, with the, the, the rights on on the, on the song um, authorship, but Miles gave him authorship, and so the guy stopped complaining, basically. And uh, they had to work with classical musicians. Miles was not very, didn't work very well. It was a really hard session to accomplish. Because he was into the model, uh, into uh, a lot of uh, improvisation, and the um, the classical musicians working, they were very precise, but they didn't have the improvising kind of uh, sense. So that was a big frustrating for him and for them as well. So he wanted improvisation; they wanted precision. So it was very hard to wrap up the record. It was very tense session, and he swore he would never do that again. But he did. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's definitely an interesting story. Um, the, the output, though, was amazing, right? Like, Sketches is a great oh, one. Yeah, yeah, It's a great
0: one, yeah. And just to hit on some of the, you know, my personal favorites on here, we have Johnny Coles on trumpet, which there's a classic series, Johnny Coles, Little Johnny C, coming out on uh, the classic Blue Note series. That's great. You have Elvin Jones on percussion, Jimmy Cobb on drums, Paul Chambers on bass. Uh, you have who else? Um, that's everyone I recognize here. But it's yeah. it's another you know large group. It looks like maybe like twenty five people
1: on it. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think about the sound it, on this mo on the MoFi version, Felipe?
2: I like this. I have an OG stereo, six I the whole the whole thing. Um, um, it's a very silent record, so the quality of the vinyl here really makes the the, the sounds uh, stand out a little better. I think it's more clearer, sharper. The original sounds a little muffled, a little, you know, not too bright. Right. So I think I think this MoFi release really, 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 everything shines through everything. It's better. It's, yeah, it sounds better than the original for sure.
0: Now they're going to do, or originally it was announced that it was going to be a one-step. It still and is. And yeah, but it says coming soon on the MoFi website.
2: I, well, I think they pulled all the 45. They, they changed to 33, right?
0: Oh. I think I heard that they changed to 33, so they didn't have to
1: break up a song.
2: Yeah, is Side that right? it would, yeah, it would make sense. Yeah, so that's I don't cool. see
1: any point in buying that. Honestly, I mean, the, the, they just repressed the 30, the regular one. Yeah, that sounds yeah. amazing. I mean, save your exactly. money. Buy it. Buy you know when it comes back in stock again, buy it. So for these One Steps, you're
0: essentially just buying, is it ultra, like that ultra vinyl formulation and then it, it's it's just the, a few stampers removed from-
2: Yes, a few yes.
0: less the, removed from the, the source, is that the idea?
2: Yeah, the quality of the plastic plus less steps, theoretically you're gonna have a superior uh, reproduc- reproduction, okay. uh, more fidelity. Uh, okay. Which, yeah, which I found to be true in most of the cases, but not necessarily the best sounding version because mastering um, digital or analog step or everything. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, personally, I mean, yeah. it's something insanely special. I didn't buy the Michael Jackson Thriller. Yeah. Like, I just don't want to spend $100 on a record anymore. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they haven't put one out that I wanted so far. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right, the next one's interesting. So, after Sketches of Spain, in like chronological Columbia release um, order, is someday my prince will come, and uh, this came out in nineteen eighty three on Mobile Fidelity. And I'm sorry, I, I do want to correct one thing. We are only touching on titles that MoFi released. Yeah. So um, there are titles that will fall in between some of these uh, releases we're speaking about. We're just touching on the ones that MoFi released. So so in order of those MoFi released chronologically by Columbia, we have Someday My Prince Will Come. This is 1983. Um, and do any of us have this release
1: i don't have this release but let's talk about who's on it and talk about the record a little bit because i have a different release so we can talk about yeah. Okay. Oh, so Hank Mobley. yeah so i have this came out i think a year or two ago maybe in stock right now i think it was yeah. recently this is an ap that's um, great version and it's it's amazing like i bet it sounds better than the 83 mofi i haven't heard of it but i would bet money that it does
2: i mean mm-hmm. it just sounds
1: amazing this has um John Coltrane, Hank Mobley, Wynton Kelly, Paul Chambers, Jimmy Cobb, um, and of course Miles. And um, so, I mean, the whole cool thing about her is that it's someday my prince will come. You know the yeah yeah so right yep. yeah yeah um, it's just amaz- the, amazing yeah
2: yeah this was a transition period because people stepping in out know, the quintet he was kind of reshaping the, the quintet uh, plus he he was always into picking the right people for every right track.
1: I would definitely recommend getting the AP version um, over Find a Yeah, uh, yeah, and,
2: yeah. And, the, and the title song was His Wife's Request.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that, yeah. What do you think about this one, Mike? Well, I'm looking
0: up to see if Classic Records put it out, because if that's the case, as we know, Chad bought Classic Records and their metalwork, which means that this would be probably from the original Master Tape. Um, yep. as classic was able to get those before the rules changed where they wouldn't let them uh, leave colombia
1: I mean Columbia. definitely from the master it i mean it has the you know yeah. sticker there so okay um the, the only one here here, not here. I, I i actually don't
0: see it as a classic records release so um if i anybody, have a 360
2: and it already sounds phenomenal
0: well yeah, regardless I have that one Chris and it's it's awesome. It to me it sounds like it's I know there's like Hank Mobley on it who else let's see. Um so okay. we have Hank Coltrane, Mobley,
2: Rindler, Kelly. Yeah.
0: Uh Mobley, Coltrane, Wayne Kelly, Paul Chambers, Jimmy Cobb, Philly Joe Jones. So, um you have like original quintet on this. This is now we're getting into 61. Mm-hmm. You have some additional musicians like Mobley and they're doing standards. I mean, this like I feel like this compared to steaming, working, relaxing and cooking, like I feel like this is like a more polished version of those records. And it's in yeah. Columbia and it sounds great. So I love this record. This is one of my favorite yeah. records.
2: Yeah. I, I think the sessions might be even a little earlier. I mean Coltrane left the Quintet right after not too long after uh kind of blue. He was already touring by himself. Okay. That's when he left and uh, Miles was in the search. I think uh,
0: well, it's it's saying. I mean, you know, this could be wrong, but it, it, Wikipedia has it as March nineteen sixty one free session dates. Okay. But again, okay. you know, it could be.
1: Well, you can come in for like, like one song or
2: something. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah.
0: So let me see if it says. So Coltrane is on Sunday My Prince Will Come" and T. O. Okay. So he's on
2: two mm-hmm. tracks. Yeah.
0: And then Mobley's on is also on Sunday My Prince Will Come" and he's not on T. O. And he's on everything else. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. All right. Let's keep it going. So. That was the earliest one, 1983. If anybody has that one, please leave a comment. Um, everyone would be interested to kind of know how that sounds.
2: Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, all right. Okay, so the next one is another one of my favorites. Um, this is ESP. This was released in I have it here as 1965. Let me double mm-hmm. check. So recorded January 65, released the summer of 65 in August, mm-hmm. and MoFi put it out. In 2016. Yeah. That's the one. Who's on it?
2: Uh, it's a, the it's a first quintet already. Yeah, everybody. Well, the second quintet. sorry. The second quintet,
0: yeah, so Miles, Wayne Shorter, Herbie Hancock, Ron Carter, Tony Williams.
2: Yep. Yeah. I and think, uh, yeah, what, go ahead,
0: Mike. What, I was just going to say, one notable thing is that this was not recorded in New York. This no, was recorded at West Columbia's North. Hollywood Studio, yeah. so people have, set, has, have said that the recording is not up to par like the New York 30th Street Studios uh, mm-hmm. recordings. Um, I, you know, the music is still outstanding. I,
2: I was gonna say I think I think the music is just yeah. outstanding in this record, which ESP actually needs extra sensory perception, right? Uh, the smiles on, on the backyard of his wife. That's a great cover. And actually, in the the picture, you can tell there's some tension already between them. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I like the the inner, and I think the most brilliant part of this record, one of the most brilliant ones, the liner notes by Ralph Gleason. He makes a poem out of every Miles uh, record title.
1: Oh, that's cool. I don't think
2: I wrote that yet. Which I think is good. Miles, relaxing ahead, kind of blue track, jazz track, Blue haze, quite nice Catching in Spain, concert at Newport in Europe. Friday and Saturday nights at the Black Hawk. Someday my prince will come. So uh, yeah, he just takes his uh, record titles and makes a poem out of it. It's amazing. That's cool. Yeah,
1: I like ESP. It's not my favorite Miles. I mean, I don't know. I just, there's something about it. Not that I don't like it. I just, it's not in the top five or whatever for me.
0: I I really like it. I have um I have the Impact pressing of it, and I I don't have anything to compare it against. It sounds very good. I really like it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a cool album. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Now is the impacts a 45 or a 33?
1: It's a 33. And okay. they only,
0: did, they only did 33 on this one. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't like 45, you should get the impacts. Yes.
0: And I think it, it comes in, in stock every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah.
2: Not hard to guess. I think.
0: Like they just put out that, uh, MoFi. I think it's still in stock in a few places. The, uh, live at the Blackhawk. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. it? I haven't got here? it right here. Yeah, I, I,
2: I, I haven't received, but I ordered that.
0: Yeah. I think yeah. That,
2: that one that last time was pressed. It was a couple of years ago. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's well, on impact. Yeah. So I just kind of have a listen. And to who, it. Yeah. Who's tenor on that? Isn't Isn't a, is isn't it Mobley? I don't know. Mm. Or Jordan Clay on the back, so I don't know. No,
2: I think. Oh. Uh, isn't it Sam Rivers?
0: Okay, so the lineup is Miles Davis, Hank Mobley, Wynton Kelly, Paul Chambers, Jimmy Cobb, and they do a lot of really great uh, songs. Like they do "Walkin," they start with "Walkin." It's a totally different version than on the Prestige "Walkin" album, which is one of my favorites. They do uh, "So What," um, uh, you know, from uh, "Kind of Blue," and they do "Oleo," the Sonny Rollins tune that they do on "Relaxin." So he, If I Were a Bell, which I think is also on Relaxin, so mm-hmm. they do like a lot of the old stuff. They do different, they do some Cole Porter. So it's a really cool set. And they, I think the, the it's up-tempo, like pretty much. Um, yeah, yeah. A lot of the songs. So like the So What version is very different than the uh, Kind of Blue version.
2: I think actually uh, they released Kind of Blue in August. I think uh, by next summer, he will, he will never play uh, So What in the, the, the right tempo again. He will always play faster. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I like it on, they do it on Four and More, right? I think it's the opening yeah. track
1: on Four and More. Let's well, talk about that, because that's next.
0: Uh, yeah, so Four and More is next. Great. So Four and More recorded February 12, 1964 at the Philharmonic Hall in Lincoln Center in New York City. Mm-hmm. It was released two years later, January 17, 1966. And this one features Miles George Coleman on tenor, Herbie Hancock, Ron Carter, and Tony Williams on drums. So no way, no way
2: on no. this. Oh, well, when was the last one to join? Okay. Yeah. So do you have this one, Felipe? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I have uh, both uh, both parts of the concert.
1: Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Can you, speak, can you
0: speak to that? Um, the differences between those two records.
2: I mean, yeah, Four and more is like really fast-paced, up-tempo. Uh, you know, different. Also, it's an original master recording, uh, mm-hmm. uh, different from my funny Valentine, which uh, MFSL oh, started MFS right. Yeah, I mean, just the the songs are completely different uh, in a sense—the way they're played. Uh, they're both stereo, not mono. I always thought this record was mono, but when I got it, uh, it's a stereo recording.
0: Now, are they doing I'm, ballads? On, are they doing more ballads on that one?
2: Yes, yes. All blues, for example. Uh, I thought about you. Uh, let me see what else in here. Yeah, it's very more ballad, it's so mellow. My Funny Valentine, of course, Stella by Starlight. Okay, so yeah, it's a really mellow, slow, intimate record, and this is exploding. First time I heard that, I said, Oh my gosh, what, what's happening here? Tony Williams, I steal the show. This is Tony Williams' record,
0: and it's it's so these were the same show, they're different, yeah. Uh, songs and they basically yeah. put the upbeat songs on Four and more and the, yeah, yeah. the 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 ballads on my funny valentine exactly. in order of release that foreign more came out in january of 66 mm-hmm. yeah. my funny valentine came, came out in february so they put it mm-hmm. out yeah. one after the other yeah, yeah and in terms of release order for mobile fidelity it was 2013 for Four and more and 2016 for my funny valentine
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really I don't have four and more. I really want it. Um, But I really like the My Funny Valentine record. I listened to it four or five times since I got it.
0: I have the I have the Columbia three sixty four and more, Mm -hmm. and it's one of my favorite Miles records. It's Tony Williams on it. uh,
2: It's on fire! Oh my gosh!
0: But he's like, it's like a Tony for me. It's like when I listen to it, I'm it. it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Like his his symbol work. He's just unbelievable sounding on it. So we just went over four and more of my funny valentine, the live records. And the next one is June of 67, which is Sorcerer. And mm-hmm. this was recorded May and August of oh, so this was actually recorded uh in May of 67, and then track seven was recorded in 62. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, and, yeah, there's a uh, backtrack there, yeah.
0: So this is the cla- uh, cla- uh, or second qu- quintet. So Wayne, Herbie, Ron Carter, Tony Williams. And then that one song that's from 62 has Wayne Shorter, Bob DeRoe on vocals, Gil Evans mm-hmm. arranging, yeah. Frank Rehack on trombone, who also played with Gil Evans on, on some of those Miles records, mm-hmm. Paul Chambers, Jimmy Cobb, Willie Bobo on bongos. We
2: mm-hmm.
0: so got Willie, Willie Bobo, who plays with
2: um hope is a record, right?
0: Well, it's just like you know, Willie Boa plays on um Inventions and Dimensions,
1: right? Is yeah.
2: that yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh all right, so what yeah. do we think about this one? I mean, of course, like all exposed of the rest of that sounds amazing, right?
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: yeah. it's kind of a weird record. I, mean, I, I like yeah. it, but it's kind of almost a confused record.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't really flow well. Yeah. There's something about it that's kind of off. So yeah, it looks like they're doing uh,
0: four Wayne Shorter compositions.
2: Yeah. Herbie and- also Kirby uh, has a title track.
0: Yeah, and Herbie has the, the title
2: track.
1: The last song is stupid and they should have left it off the record in my opinion. The one yeah, with the, singing it, it makes no sense. Yeah.
2: It doesn't make a sense, yeah. Huh.
1: I That's just did it, it, I mean, it's still a good record, though I still like it. It's just I think it was like Miles trying to figure out where he was gonna go or something, maybe.
2: hmm yeah. You know? I am not sure it had to do with uh, his wife here that's in the cover also. Yeah. I'm not sure if that vocal song, I, I'm very positive there was something related to her. That's why I end up getting the record or being recorded or something, but I, I gotta check on that.
1: I mean, do you have this? Do you
0: have the Sorcerer mic? I have a uh, 70s Columbia 360. Of a, what do you think about the music? Um, You know, I. Uh, I don't honestly, I don't visit it often. I've listened to it a few times. Um, So I don't, I don't want to, you know, give an opinion because I I would, I would need to do some more critical listening of it. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, it's second quintet and uh, yeah. So that's something I need to do in the near future. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. So moving on, we are now moving to this one is a great one miles smiles which was recorded in october uh 24th and 25th 1966 february 16 and it was released february 16 uh 1967 and this is i'm pretty sure it's second quintet all the way through yes so wayne herbie ron and tony uh and they do Three Wayne Shorter compositions, uh, one Miles composition, an Eddie Harris song, and a Jimmy Heath song.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a great record. Actually, it was my very first MoFi Miles that I, that I bought. Yeah. And back in those days, I, 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 I won, and I was able to get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, at, at first, I didn't like the sound very much, but then I I, I think I got more into the record itself. And I mean, the first song, "Orbits," kind of yes. brings you up there in orbit was a cool ballad i just like ron carter's bass all on the, on the on the third track okay which is uh i forgot the name here footprints i yeah. just love ron carter's work there i think that the whole record is just so i think it works as a whole it just goes up and down but everything's so cohesive i think they had probably their most like cohesive record on the quintet i think
0: i think it's great yeah Cress- I've, never, I've never heard it so i have no idea and um I agree with you. The, the first track is I think it's been covered a few like uh, by a few other musicians as well. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know it, it's definitely reminds me of a Wayne Shorter uh, composition.
2: Um, mm-hmm.
0: It's a uh, like post-bop style in his, his style. so
2: in, in a sense, it just sounds like okay, the sorcerer or something they had to do it, but they kind of refine rework some stuff because they came so close together right those two records and i think miles miles they really knew what they're doing they really i don't know it just sounds a, a better work body yeah. of work put together yeah
0: i will say i never really liked the cover of it
2: <laughs> the covers weird. yeah it's kind of <laughs> kind of crap yeah <laughs> it's
1: kind of... yeah it's just <laughs> weird yeah
2: they could have called like a miles off smiles or something but uh,
0: Don't judge a book by its cover. That's a great one. Um, Okay. Next one up is
2: Nefertiti. Nefertiti. Okay. So Nefertiti
0: is an exceptional record. It was recorded in uh, June and July of 67, released March of 68. This, again, is second quintet, so same group. And, yeah, uh, this one has... Three Wayne Shorter compositions, two Herbie Hancock, and one Tony Williams. Yeah. Uh, what do we think about this one?
2: I mean, it's phenomenal, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's great sound. It's probably the the great the best sounding of the whole batch.
0: I have it. It's really good. I and think, it just uh, yeah. I think it just came back in stock, so a bunch of people are getting it right now.
2: No, so i was just gonna say I think the the, the very last few of them are like almost there's nothing wrong there. They're always like uh, close to perfection. Yeah. Sound lights.
1: I have an OG of this that sounds pretty good. I mean, it's kind of noisy. So I, I want to get the, um, mm-hmm. the Mo for sure, but I love the record. I mean, the music's amazing.
2: Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. On, now we, uh, haven't
1: yes, anything, no. we haven't done anything electric yet on this one, right? No.
0: Yeah, no, I think no. Again, this is like for me, like Tony Williams is great on this record.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. You know. Oh yeah, it's Tony's record. Um, Nefertiti has a really good rendition. Nefertiti on VSOP There's a oh. really good rendition there.
0: So who's in VSOP?
2: Everybody but Miles, Freddie Hubbard. Yep,
0: Freddie Hubbard. Yeah,
2: yeah and, and later came Winton, when Freddie mm-hmm. Hubbard kind of the he was not very reliable. That's it. <laughs>
1: yeah exactly
2: yeah
1: yeah i want to pick this one up i mean i think this one's one of the it just seems like they were um i mean it was the fourth album by the second great quintet right so yeah yeah they were full on just burning and killing it at this point with each other you know
0: yep yep
1: okay yeah now
0: we have what we have six more to go through the next one is I think I think we kind of there might be, no there isn't actually um, but the next one here is Miles in the Sky and this one is uh, recorded January and May of 1968 released July of 68 and this has a classic quintet plus George Benson on electric guitar.
2: Yeah, electricity kicks in. Yeah, yeah. so so,
0: so, so so electric guitar by George Benson on paraphernalia, Ron Carter's electric bass on stuff, Herbie Hancock's electric piano on stuff, and Miles uh, is playing cornet on stuff and country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Norman Maslow has said that Miles got the title, uh, Miles in the Sky from Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, and it was there's a Beatles connection
2: there.
1: That seems like a stretch, Mazzy.
2: Yeah, could have been the opposite maybe. <laughs>
1: Yeah, maybe they stole it. I don't know. <laughs> so this is, to me, this is the best sounding out of all of them.
2: Yeah, yeah. This is amazing. And it's 45. Outstanding yeah. music as well, yeah. I think it's kind of crazy, but it's probably, out of the, the whole batch, probably the most accessible, especially compared to, like, Beach's Brew or something.
1: Yeah, you mean as far as, like, the electric stuff goes? Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. No, think, Even know, like, uh, yeah.
1: It's one of my favorites, for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, and it is interesting that that's, you know, with... Um, The electric piano coming in here—it's just like, I guess electric Mm -hmm. guitar technically, but you know, electric guitar's been in jazz forever. Yeah. Um, But the electric piano is just like the electronic stuff; just starts to barely creep in a little bit on this record.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: It's gonna creep. It's gonna get a lot more soon, right? Like it's fixing to be full on everything Mm -hmm. he was
2: doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I do not have any version of this record. You should get
2: anything, even like a CD, get it.
0: My Miles collection for, I mean, I have a, I have a few, which I'll mention when we get to them, but uh, I really fall off with Miles when he goes electric, I will say.
1: Interesting. Uh, well, there may be a product we can tell you about later that might be for you then. Yeah.
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But right. well, this one is great. Yeah. Next is Phil's. Piece yes. Of piece. So,
0: yeah. So the next one is Phil's de Kilimanjaro. This is recorded mm-hmm. June and September of 68, released in February of 69. And then it says here that it was released in the UK in
2: 1968.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, sorry, if I misspoke, I meant to say February, uh, yeah,
2: 1969 in the US. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so this record already has uh, Chick Corea. Yeah.
0: Yes. So let's check out the lineup here. So we have Wayne Shorter, tenor sax, Herbie Hancock, electric piano, and um, Sick Maria on piano and an RMI electric piano. Mm-hmm. Ron Carter electric bass, Dave Holland yeah. double bass, and then Tony Williams drums.
2: I mean, Herbie was kind of transitioning as well. Yeah, he was getting quite successful, and um, actually, Herbie's story is, is funny. He was in Brazil for a honeymoon uh, in the late uh, late sixties, and uh, he got food poisoning. And uh, he was being cheated by the doctor there. Uh, you know They wouldn't allow, oh, you cannot travel, you cannot travel just to get money out of him. Then he got so delayed that Miles called and said, dude, what's going on? Are you quitting? He was kind of into the mood of quitting, so he just quit. Wow. wow. That's how he went.
1: Yeah. I mean, musically, this is... I like this one a whole lot. Um, yeah. The, the tracks with... So petite machines, I guess little stuff is what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this that song and then Mademoiselle Mabry. They're the ones, yeah. Shakira and Dave Holland. They're both really yeah. awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To the, the sweet, uh, yeah. Uh, to the sweet means uh, suddenly petite Machin, mm-hmm. little stuff. Yeah, that's it. Pretty much. All right. And then and then next comes the $400 record, right? Two oh months. yeah. Okay.
0: So next we have uh, in a silent way. This is recorded in on February 18, 1969 and released July 30th, 1969. Mm-hmm. This one features Wayne Shorter, John McLaughlin electric guitar, Chick Corea electric piano, Herbie Hancock electric piano. Uh, Joe Zawinol on electric piano and organ, Dave Holland double bass and Tony Williams drums.
2: Yeah. And those guys will go everywhere afterwards, right? Uh, Mondishi and uh, Miles Quintet and uh, Miles, a new band for Bitches Brew everywhere.
1: So what do you think of this one, Chris? It's ridiculous. It's one of my favorite jazz records. Um, it's, yeah. So as he says, it's his favorite Miles record, I believe. I think Bitches Brew is my actual favorite. I said yeah. Kind of Blue is, but I think it's Bitches Brew probably, but man... This one is this one's a John McLaughlin record, in my opinion. Like he just
2: yeah, it's a guitar record. Yes,
1: killed it, man. He's so good on this, and it's just kind of like a, when did it, this one come out? Let's see.
2: So this is '69,
1: I feel like this record just was like the precursor to all the shit all these other guys did in the '70s, like yes. you know, um, Weather Report with you know uh, Zellinol. And, I mean, Wayne Shorter... Um,
2: yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, Mondishi, had hunters everywhere. Those guys played with everybody.
1: I mean, Return to Forever. Yeah, yeah, like, this is the birth yeah. of freaking the whole yeah. um, Fusion era, maybe. I mean, maybe that's mm-hmm. not
2: true. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, I really like it. It's it's yeah. really good.
2: Yeah, Yeah, he was definitely looking ahead. And, um, yeah, he, he crafted really well the sessions. He knew what he wanted. Yeah. He knew what he wanted. So, so do you have it.
1: this mic at all? I did get
0: this one. Um and I had a seventies uh Columbia 360 that I think sounds great. Um but as Felipe mentioned, this one uh on the I second have,
2: hand I have, the, I have that one. The MoFi sounds better.
0: Well the, the on the second hand market, um this one got to extraordinary prices. Mm-hmm. So when it came yeah. back, I, I was like, well, let me get this thing because, you know, it, it seems like, yeah. uh, you know, one that everybody really loves. So I did pick it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I do have this one.
1: So it was up to like 400 bucks?
2: Oh, you uh, got that close, yes. I think if, this wow. one in Bitches Brew, yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's kind of an interesting point too, right? Because I think we all thought that at least that one in Bitches Brew too, we're never coming back again. Know right, it said sold out, right? Like it said yeah. sold out, like they were never going to get repressed, and then all of a sudden, it's like, here they are, yeah,
0: yeah. which
1: is great, just kind of weird, which is probably why those prices went up because people just oh, thought,
2: yeah, this is the yeah, yeah they're done, yeah, they're done. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, I did pick up that, I picked up that in Milestones and maybe a, a third one together. They did like a big release, so I got yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a great one, and mm-hmm. Yeah, for Pete, like for me, uh, who wasn't particularly interested in the Miles Electric period, I think this this is, was a good first step for me. Mm-hmm. To it, um, it's very different than uh, what I you know thought it would be.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's a great one. Next. Okay, so we have three more. The next one is a big, heavy hitter. We're talking Bitches Brew. We're talking nineteen seventy. Uh, recorded August 69 released March 1970 um, let's see who's on it here I mean it's, it's there's basically every track has a, a different lineup I won't go through everybody but it's it's you know a similar group of guys that was on Bitches Brew and then there's different you know iterations here so what do we think
2: it's the best oh this is so good Mike this is so good uh, yeah. it was one of my f- first Mile of Cities I've ever bought I think right after Kind of Blue um It's kind of weird. You're expecting one thing, you get another. But I think the best definition, uh, have you guys watched uh, the Miles movie, Miles Ahead? Yeah. When Santana is talking about um, Beaches Brew, he said, man, I just close my eyes and think about those lights going around buildings in a big city. You just close your eyes and uh, then, especially if you had a drink or something, it just takes you somewhere else. And uh, it's an immersion process. It's not easy to digest. I think uh, it's very like thrown away bits and pieces here and there lots of space also. Oh, for sure. Which, I, Yeah. So I, I think that's, that's it. It just takes me somewhere else. I really like it. really, yeah. really like it.
0: Now, how does this, how does the Mofi sound?
2: Oh, I, I sold my 360.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have yeah. the 360, so I skipped the Mofi. I you know, didn't think I needed another copy, but yeah, it seems like Chris, are you, you, ha- you have the Mofi? Yes, yeah. Let's do it twice today. And what do you think of the sound of
1: it? Oh, it sounds amazing. I love it. Um, yeah. I mean, my like by, by my Sony Legacy copy I sold sounded amazing too. Honestly,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. right. Like <laughs> it it's, it's great. I, I wanted to have it. I'm, I want to get all the the. I want to get all the Miles Mofas as they come out because, so that that brings up a point that I wanted to make. Um, these records, right? A lot of them are are expensive if you want to get OGs that are minty. Like super expensive probably. And these are kind of like uh, to me, these are just like a tone poet or you know, an AP release, right? Like if you buy these yeah, copies
2: exactly, exactly.
1: so you take care of it, obviously. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to replace it, it's a lifetime copy. And to me it's you know that's yeah. it's one of the reasons I, but, I agree. Yeah. As far as bitches brew go those because though everything Felipe said is right on i think bitches brew is a really good way for people who are like in the metal to get into jazz yeah, it's yeah. Right? Um, yeah. I, it was the first jazz record i ever listened to back in the 90s you know and i had it on cd back then i had it and i had headhunters and that's the only mm-hmm. jazz i listened to you know when i was like 20 in my 20s um mm-hmm. if you like you know Flip it, so I'm having a drink. If you like uh imbibing, you know, other substances, it's really cool to listen to as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe an edible or something. Yeah. Yeah. Just let it kind of fill your body, man. Like, you know, a lot can, of yeah. You don't it have kinda, to
2: have it, it kind of surrounds it. I mean, that's 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 how I like this one better in, in that regard also, Chris. Is like embraces your goals around? I mean, the the ones that I had is something small. Mm-hmm. You don't hear this, like, this horns and drums going all over the place. You don't hear it here. You have it,
1: man. How about the title track, you know, Bitches Brew, where it's like, Oh my god, it starts off with like the bass, you know, just do 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 and it's all, I mean, just and then Miles coming in with like those crazy, like, horn blasts just out of nowhere. You're like, What yeah. the hell's going on, man? Yeah, yeah, you know, I just yeah. love it. I just love it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I do love Miles' horn on it.
1: All right, it's great. All right. So what do you think about it, Mike? I mean, you have it. What do you think about the record?
0: You know, I haven't spent enough time with it. I mean, I've listened to it uh, multiple times, but I, uh, I, you know, I generally listen to it in bits and pieces. And you know, like you know, it's a double LP, um, so you know, it's a lot to get through. And I I feel like I partition it out, which probably isn't the best experience with it, but that's just Mm -hmm. how I listen. Um, So. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I think Miles Horn on it sounds great. There's like moments in Bitches yeah. Brew. I think he almost sounds like he's like standing off to the side and just like projecting to the rest of the room. It, it yeah. sounds incredible. Um, but
2: yeah, but but th- I think that's the whole Miles approach. Uh, for the sessions, he just brought all those guys in, new guys, and he didn't even give like directions. They just play it, play mm-hmm. what you feel, and uh, he he was like on the side actually just following.
1: Them. Oh right, yeah. That yeah. brings yeah. up a really good point, though. Kind of, I mean. Bitches was not; it was a studio recording, but it wasn't. They didn't record these tracks, so no. they recorded all these bits and pieces, and then it was Tame Macero, right? Yes. He, yeah. he went into the studio and put all the tape and cut all the tapes up and made the album. Yeah. Which yeah. is, you know, I mean, oh, the really. jazz, the jazz, like, you know, purist of the time really. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, you know?
2: yeah, yeah. 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 It, it, it sounds like a well-crafted disconnection. <laughs>
1: Exactly, dude. It's, it's yeah. It's, you know, that is a huge thing. You know, it, it, it sold a lot of copies too when it came out. I mean it's like you know, kind of blues up here, but well, bitches brews right after it as far as sales go. Yeah. yeah. Um and you know they were freaking out, man. I would like yeah. to see what Stanley Crouch had to say about this record when it came out. <laughs> we about that Friday night on the live stream with Mike.
2: Yeah, yeah, that'll be great. There's um,
0: there's a record by Lenny Tristano on Atlantic. I think it's from like '58. It's probably earlier than that. And mm-hmm. he was experimenting with overdubbing and speeding up uh, the tape. And the critics flipped out. Mm-hmm. They were like, they just and, you know.
2: And it became so calm afterwards, speeding up, uh, slowing up, slowing so down the, he, the tape, getting it. It's here family. in
0: 1970 though the critics are still kind of you know yeah. upset with that is uh, is just yeah, interesting
2: you yeah. know yeah. the, yeah. the monks
0: guys <laughs> like cr- creates uh, like a dogma or something or like you know like a rule based yeah. system and i feel like the the old guard is
1: um, you know
2: a long well, time was
1: the critics though right cuz the musicians are always pushing we're always
2: right sure. yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah. no rules,
1: man like come on mm-hmm. and it, at
0: this time yeah. wasn't miles trying to push for like big concerts like like wasn't like
2: actually like, so actually when uh, he was. he was kinda he was kinda low. He was doing making good records uh yeah. but he was not selling much in the late sixties. So when uh Clive Davis joined uh the label, he said, Miles, you gotta do like these other guys are doing. He he pushed more into like a more commercial side. He knew how to explore Miles commercially better. He put in the big festivals, yeah. That was all Clive Davis. Yeah. yeah, it was
1: climbing the miles. Also, wanted like seeing the rock scene and what it was doing, right? Like, yeah,
2: yeah. So that, yeah, know,
1: stadiums and all that, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, that's
0: a great transition because the next album is Jack Johnson.
2: Jack Johnson, which is one of my favorites. I think it's so this is, a heavy metal record.
0: So this is again recorded in 1970 in uh, February and April,
2: mm-hmm, yeah,
0: and then and then released in February
2: 1971.
0: Yeah. Okay, and. This, uh, who's featured on this? So there's, looks like a, a couple of different lineups. Sonny yeah. on electric guitar, Chick Korea, yeah. Dave Holland, Jack V. Jeannette, Benny Maupin. Uh,
2: Billy you know, Cobbin.
0: Billy Cobbin, Herbie, uh, a yeah. bunch of people. There's a few people I'm not familiar with here, like um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brock Peters, Michael Henderson, Steve Grossman. Mm-hmm. yeah. So
2: yeah, that's, so
0: let me think of this one. And if, Felipe, can you talk about the style
2: difference here from some of the. Oh podcasts? yeah, it's I think I think it's what I think the first jazz record, like full guitar, full blasting. sounds like a metal record in a sense. It's very heavy, not not like in distortion and stuff, but the way the guitar rips through uh, the presence of the electric instruments. But I think the guitar dominates this record. It's a guitar record for sure.
0: So it seems like Bitches Brew and Jack Johnson are like maybe entry points for a lot of rock yeah. guys into jazz. Yeah,
2: and, and also Jack Johnson, I mean, the whole concept of Jack Johnson, the fighter, I mean, the racism right. and, yeah, yeah. and everything. So I think express expressed a lot of the anger that Miles had, Miles had towards this. Oh, yeah, it's it's, very, it's, a, it's a very angry, a very fast, it's a very forward, very intense music there. Mm-hmm. There's not yeah. like a single like, moment where they stop. It's always like, yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. They don't stop because I mean each song is like 25 minutes on on each side, yeah. right?
2: Like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm not. Th- I need to listen to it again. I have only listened to it like twice since I got it. Um, yeah. I have the. I also have the um, the records for day, like the alternate tr- tracks or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. You know, no? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, in yeah. The, the ring. Yeah, where he's in the, Yeah, that's called champion. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, I didn't. I didn't get that one no.
1: Yeah,
2: it's, it's, it's too easily cool. available. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's probably just yeah. affordable too. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's
1: a good point that it's a good way for uh, rock guys to get into jazz. You know, with Jack yeah, Johnson, yeah, if, yeah. In a silent way too. Though I mean, yeah, the guitar on that record, on that record, is really good too. Yeah, it's yeah.
2: yeah. If, it feels like Jack Johnson is like a step forward from Pitcher's Brew in the way that's more structured. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think that that'll be the major point there.
0: All right, guys, we are at the last entry in the MoFi catalog.
2: Okay. Yeah. So turning the corner. Yeah. This
0: is Miles on the corner. This is recorded in June and July of '72. Released mm-hmm. later that year in October, and it was yeah. released on MoFi in 2016.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So what do we think of this one?
2: Um, it's great. Uh, it's a very it's like concept record, I would say. Um, at that point, uh, you can tell by the cover, the motifs, the clothing. It's very like a black power kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that they were really expressing themselves through the way they dress, uh, those, those 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 hair uh, dressings. I mean, it's very like passing a message. And my also, it was also another. He was kind of laying the the foundation for his seventies work. And uh, he was really into Sly. He was into yeah. James Brown. And he was really into Jimi Hendrix. So James Brown actually recorded Blue and Green, as I mentioned earlier. And actually, Miles re-recorded Blue and Green trying to do what James Brown did. <laughs> uh, he became friends with Jimi Hendrix. Uh, they, Miles actually uh, started teaching Jimi Hendrix music because Jimi Hendrix couldn't read music. <laughs> Mm. Uh, they became close friends. Miles went to his funeral. Everything. And Sly, a funny passage. he his agent, brought him to Sly. The you know where they used to live there in California. And then on the way out, Miles said, "Man, everybody was so high, I could not talk to anybody. I only got some cocaine from them and stepped away."
1: <laughs> you know, I feel like I need to give this another lesson. I, I bought this. I have it on uh, music on vinyl. From mm-hmm. what I remember, it, it sounded good. But yeah. It's I think very, I need to give this another chance, because I think I listened yeah. to this early on when I first got into jazz, and I just think it was kind of over my head a little bit.
2: It's very, like, broken. It's not, like, linear, just like Jack Johnson or, or other ones. It's very, like, broken, just throwing stuff all over. Uh, I think he, he was trying to get a sound. Maybe he didn't crafted uh like, song structures. Mm-hmm. But I think the message is there. I mean, a little bit of a, a soul, R&B, some rock. He was just throwing stuff out there. I think, in a sense, sounds like, not sounds like, remember, reminds me some of the, the Mondishi kind of thing with Herbie, where there's so many stuff like thrown out there, but they're not like so linear, cohesive, that are accessible to many people. But uh, I, I think it's it's, it's a great concept, and I, I totally understand what he was trying to get there. Yeah. Sometimes successful, sometimes not.
0: Yeah. Now, we, For those who have stuck around, we do have a special bonus section. But before we get to that, I just want to quickly kind of recap, because I have all the titles in front of me. So the MoFi catalog, they have 18 titles, and the first one is Roundabout Midnight. And that is essentially a first quintet. It goes through um, the, so the late 50s to the early 70s. You have... My, you have some examples of Miles working through figuring out what his next quintet is going to be. Like you have something my Prince work will come with with uh with Hank Mobley. He then uh establishes his second quintet with Wayne Shorter, Herbie Hancock, Ron Carter, and Tony. And then, you know, the Mofi rounds out with Bitches Brew Jack Johnson on the corner, right? So they do have a, a, a huge breadth of the Columbia catalog and some really outstanding titles in miles's um mm-hmm. catalog so yeah. it is a great way to dive into it essentially whenever they come up you know i think we would all just recommend grabbing them if you don't have them um and are interested i don't think you can go wrong with these uh some sound better than the others but overall i think they all sound very good
2: mm-hmm. yeah i would agree yeah oh yeah yeah so it's, yeah i think are do so you don't, don't. No discussion about the quality of those, sound, presentation, everything.
1: Yeah. Don't buy the one steps. No.
0: <laughs> All right. Should we move on to the bonus round?
2: Yes. Yeah. Okay, hold Let's on. let it.
0: So as everyone can see, this is the Vinyl Me Please website. They have recently announced a Miles Davis LP box set. Mm-hmm. And I think it's titled... The Electric Years. Right. So what do we think about this? Should we go over all the titles and what are we doing here?
1: Yeah, so um, so the first note is it's The Electric Years, right? Let's look at the titles, I guess.
2: Okay, let's see if they break them out here. Yeah, uh, yeah there's... Um, here we okay.
1: go. Yeah. So... It goes from In a Silent Way. We talked about In a Silent Way, a Bitches Brew, a tribute to Jack Johnson, same record, right? Different cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the corner. So those are all... On MoFi, and we talked about them, right? The things that aren't is the Live Evil record, which is which is live, obviously. Mm-hmm. Big Fun, which I've never heard, and then Get Up with It, which I haven't heard either.
0: Now, is Big Fun a the elevens record? I don't think so. No, yeah, no,
2: no, no. no. Is, cool. Yeah, they're all seventies. They're all seventies, like uh, more like soul rockish. Very, yeah, yeah.
0: I actually was sampling this because uh, uh, Rev Rock and Rollin. Uh, mm-hmm.
2: My pastor. yeah, he posted yeah.
0: Yeah, he um, he was pretty talking. Fun. I sampled. I remember it being pretty funky.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. And he was like in the early '50s. He was really high in those years, especially after "On the Corner." <laughs> until yeah. he came back in the early '80s. Yes, he was really in a bad place.
0: And what what's I, you know I'm not too familiar with "Get Up with It."
1: Oh, either I'm interested uh, though, but
2: yeah, I have it. I never listened to that much, but um, yeah, I, to me. The box sounds like great. If you don't have any of those, could be a, a nice roundup his his story there. Mm-hmm. But uh, not for me. I think it's just too much. Doesn't justify.
0: Yeah. So yeah. let's look at the price. Let me go back up. It's three forty nine. Um, you can pre-order it now. If you're a member, you can get it for three fifty. And if you're a non-member, it's four hundred.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So. No, that, seven records for 350.
2: yeah does it come with a book If I could buy the book separately I'll buy it.
1: I'm sure it does um, you know. Know. Um, and it'll have the podcast thing what's right? included
0: yeah. Electrified AAA. podcast hosted by exclusive producer and Bonommy Please director of music Anthony Windsor this mm-hmm. season of the Bonhomy Please anthology podcast is devoted to exploring how radical these albums were and what they did to music after their release. So maybe this is exclusive?
2: Yeah. Uh, it says
0: see. these are AAA masterpieces.
2: No, yeah, they are. Second-generation copies, they're not the original tapes.
0: Okay, so I have all been master AAA from one-to-one yeah. tape transfers of the master tapes by Ryan Smith at Sterling yeah. Sound. Um, and press that GZ.
2: And there will be
0: 2,000
2: units. In so the so- first edition, so there's going to be more. So don't bother. <laughs> right.
0: We have plug into the story. Read the story of the seven albums in a very special twenty-four page listening notes and uh, photo booklet written by Ben Ratliff.
1: It's not
0: a Well, yeah, that's that's good. And then, uh, and then yeah, a commemorative box. box. So yeah. it, it comes in a box.
2: Yeah. I, I have their some of their boxes. They're great. They're, it's a really good work. I mean, it's just I would say. Those have been released to exhaustion. Why don't we make the, the the his Warner catalog the very late ones? I think that'll be super cool.
1: Because nobody wants to buy those flavor. That's why. Yeah, 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 Nobody wants that crap. I mean, I don't want that crap. I mean, you know, I'm not say it's crap. I'm say nobody wants to, nobody's gonna buy that but,
2: shit. You know, but the Turu is a great one. Uh, it's a good record. I mean, the Aura, that '87 record. Everybody should take a look into that Aura, with with uh, the whole. Um, the Nordic musicians there, the HOP and everything, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's a good record. is a good record. Very so
0: that's good. that's a good question. Uh, I'm sorry, Chris. You just reminded me of a question here. So, do, do you guys have a preferred era of Miles? Because there is the early Prestige. There's there's even pre Prestige stuff. But you know, there's Prestige. There's Columbia. There's Warner Brothers. And there's all different types of, um, you know. Uh, styles that he has. Do you do you have a preferred
1: era? I mean, this one, this this box is my preferred era, honestly.
2: Okay, yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah,
1: I love that. Sure. I mean, the the first four records there, right? um Yeah, I think the interesting thing here is the AAA, right? Now yeah. they're one to one tape copies, but those were recent copies.
2: Yeah,
1: right. They were recorded in New York City. And those tapes were taken to Tennessee for him to cut them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's some intrigue there, I guess. I, mean, I don't know, the MoFis sound so fucking good of those first three there. Yeah, but it is interesting to think about what if they sound really fucking good? Yeah, especially these two.
2: Yeah. So here's my approach. I'm gonna wait for the first batch to hear the, the reviews and then when the second batch comes, I'll decide.
1: Agree, because the second batch—if the second batch happens, which you would think it will—that'll probably get pressed at their plant in Denver, man, instead of GZ. Yeah. Like, if that plant turns out to be really good, which we're all hoping it will be, like QRP or RTI, we're hoping that you know Gary, what's his, what's his name, Gary? Um, oh yeah. The guy we're used to okay. work for QRP and RTI that yeah, yeah, went, yeah. went to VMP. If he can make that plant as successful in putting out amazing records, as – qrp and rti mm-hmm. then you got then you got a stew going man yeah
2: yeah you that's know? an interesting yeah. point yeah yeah let's that, that's, uh that's us have our program telling us what's going to happen there right, chris
1: yeah yeah i mean so that i think i'm gonna definitely set this one out because i mean i have half the records already i'm gonna spend 400 bucks on three no, yeah. records like i already have the mofis and shit there's no
2: reason yeah. for me to buy yeah. this yeah Get the OGs. They're going to be triple A.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true too. The I mean, OGs are going to be triple A too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh,
0: so we went over the MoFi stuff. We did a quick highlight on this new electric box putting out, being put out by Bonomi, please. Um, we are curious to hear everybody's opinions about this. Uh, so what do you think of the MoFi? Um, what do you think of this box? Um, are you going to get it? Uh, what are your favorite MoFis? Whatever uh, comes to mind just drop a comment uh remember to Mm -hmm. like subscribe hit the bell we live stream every friday 8 p.m eastern we also jump on um rob the wax the wax vcs live stream during the week so uh make sure to sub up to him um and yeah i mean any last uh thoughts here
2: no i think it was a good review um you know great idea to revisit and uh two points how great uh, miles music is and uh don't get convinced that just because it's digital is not good
1: yeah i think that i agree with that but i also really enjoyed uh, recording this with you guys this was good it was awesome
2: yeah for sure good
1: all
0: right great all right. thanks everybody thank, thank you. you guys